0: Welcome to part two of our episode on The Last Jedi with special guest Becky Allen. We now return you to the discussion that started in part one. Well, and I I can't think of a smooth transition here, but let's shift uh, back to Rey because um, in in a way, it's interesting to me that Rey is such the dominant person of uh, The Force Awakens and is such an amazing new character and has a really powerful story in, in this movie as well. But, but one that doesn't get talked about anywhere near as much, at least in the conversations I'm having. Um, what and we talked about it a little bit in that in terms of that one moment. But overall, um, Becky, what was what was sort of your take on, on where they go with, with um, what you talked about? How you were fearful about what they might do with Ray. What what was your overall take on what they did with Ray in this movie, and, and and how do you see where she is at the end of the movie?
1: I liked it a lot. I think um, I don't think she had as defined an arc as Finn or Poe did. Yeah. Um, but she was still she was still wonderful. I love um, I love that when she sees the dark side, she's curious and she wants to know what it is, and she literally jumps in to explore it, and is like, "Oh, yeah, it didn't give me anything. All right, that's not what I want," and moves on. And Luke is horrified. Because she doesn't try and resist, she doesn't run away from it. She's not afraid of it. She just wants to know what's happening and understand, and she she gets that kind of understanding, and is able to continue on. Um, and I loved. So so uh, yeah, I you you know from having spoken with me previously, I do not like Kylo Ren, mm-hmm. like. And and the idea of that ship is ugh to me. Emo McClucklin,
0: um, Emo Boy, is not your favorite?
1: He's not. Um, <laughs> but I will say that the movie really impressed me in how it pulled the two of them together and gave them an actual relationship. And I love that Ray was seeking understanding there too. That yeah. she wanted to know the truth, she wanted to know why. Kylo Ren turned out so horribly, she was willing to give him the benefit of a doubt that, you know, Luke had maybe done something bad, and she she really wanted to understand what had made him into a monster, and because she had some understanding, she was able to, to see, like, it doesn't have to be like this. You can also move on from the bad things you've done and the ways that you have failed and come back and be better. Um, and that was why she went after him. And I will say, like, hands down, the best, most unexpected, coolest moment to me of the entire movie was when he kills Snoke. And it yes. genuinely, for that fight scene, feels like, oh my god, she did it. He's good now. He's what? Like, it was it was such an unexpected moment of getting rid of the big bad, and it works because Kylo Ren is now the big bad. But it because she had been so determined and so passionate and we'd seen that relationship suddenly it felt plausible and so the movie going like having that moment was really really cool
2: and we also get in that we also get in that moment uh Kylo Ren's major failure in the movie which is he's so close he is so close and then he still wants Ray even though Ray was the one who's who's walked him through part of this journey who's helped him see some of the some of the damage around him he still says join me and we'll do things yeah so close so close kylo but no you're the one who needs wisdom well, and Ray is he, the one who's going to give it to you as the wisest you know, Jedi. He
1: says, "Um, he says, let go of the past, kill the past, burn it down, whatever." But he is ultimately the one who can't do that. Yeah. Um, right. and he he thinks that getting rid of the past is murdering his mother, I guess. Um, but actually, if he were able to let go of the past, he would have been able to take Ray's hand and and go with him back to. Being a better person because he would it would be facing you know the, the worst things that he's done and accepting them and figuring out how to move on and so I think that that was also part of the movie's message was when you accept that and you face it you find peace like Luke did and if yeah. you just try and ignore that and close yourself off then you are a villain and like that I, to me it all worked really well.
2: So you're I, I, a villain go or you're, oh, go on.
0: I I was going to – I'm going to open up a a potential can of worms that we probably could do an entire series of podcasts on, but it's an issue that I am so intrigued by and want to hear you guys talk about and it's so linked to this, which is the idea of – like throughout all of these movies, we have been told that the Force has a light side and the dark side and that they are the Jedi and the Sith. Full stop, end of story. And the prequels, I think, were attempting to give us a little bit of it's not that simple, but they did a bad job of it. The TV show, The Clone Wars, actually, I think does a much better job of it. Um, but in this movie, and I'm wondering if you guys – if I'm reading in what I wanted to see or if you guys saw this as well, especially in that scene, part of what I saw happening was it wasn't just that Ray was sort of pulling him over to the light side and making him a Jedi. It was that they were both connecting out of this sense of, you know, what what Kylo was being taught by Snoke wasn't quite working for him. What she was being taught by Luke wasn't quite working for her. And they were almost sort of like creating the Gray Jedi for a minute there, of trying to find a moment of is there some balance between this, and is there some middle ground that is much more about Rey coming over to to. uh, I'm sorry, much more about Kylo Ren redeeming himself because Rey doesn't have anything she needs to be redeemed for. But she is somewhat rejecting a lot of the Jedi ideas. Um, Do you think that that there was some moment there of them both rejecting kind of that old model of Jedi equals good, Sith equals bad, things are all very clear in black and white?
1: Yes. Um, I actually, I think that that's been part of Kylo Ren basically since he was introduced. Um, because through the first movie, his conflict is that the light side keeps calling to him. And he yeah. wants to be a Darth Vader fanboy. He doesn't want to be in a light side <laughs> mom. Um, and it was, it was much more ridiculous in the first movie. And then I think that the struggle felt a lot more, to me less adolescent teen angst and more actual struggle in the last Jedi. Um, but that his conflict has always been, he decided he was going to be on the dark side now and there's still good in him. And he's fighting to not have that come out. Whereas Ray, again, the dark side called to her and she was like, Hey, what's all this? Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Luke luke's horror at that because she didn't fight against it it was just something that was part of the force to her to me those those are both things that speak to it's not that some people are good and some people are bad and some force users are sith and some force users are jedi it's that individual people have both good and bad in them and they have to to balance it
2: Um, luke should know better on that right Luke absolutely should know better on that. With both with the redemption of Darth Vader and the fact that he's used the Force for for offense, and he's uh, also um, confronted the darkness in the in the cave on Dagobah, and that was like a formative experience for him. And that's what taught him that you could touch the darkness and come back from it. And then when that's what Ray wants to do, exa- you're exactly right, Becky. That his his reaction is horror rather than no, you really should know what this is so that you know what you're trying to fight against.
0: Well, and I think in that, that's part of why that, that scene of him and Yoda, Ghost Yoda sitting and Yoda eventually like burning down the last vestiges of the Jedi is so important. Because what I saw there was Luke is, as much as he has kind of sort of recognized that maybe the dark side and the light side aren't so clearly like binary, he's still bought into so much of the Jedi teaching of, you know, and, and that to me, one of the most powerful parts of this whole movie is, is the, there's that one line where he says that the Jedi don't have a monopoly on the force and never should, and that their mistake was thinking they should. Um, I, I'm going to go on a small tangent here, but I just think it's such a fascinating thing. I'm a, um, uh, as many of our listeners know, I used to be a pastor and I'm still very involved in theological discussions and phrases and, and things like that. And there's, a whole sort of side world that I'm a part of, of progressive theologians who have all been loving this movie, especially from the idea of the movie kind of being a wonderful critique of organized religion and sort of what happens when people who believe in spiritual teachings that are theoretically like bigger and, and, you know, more out of their understanding than themselves start to believe in not the, the God they're theoretically pointing to, but to themselves, you know, the church hierarchy, or in this case, the Jedi hierarchy. Um, there's been some fantastic scholarship that I'll link a little bit of too for, for any church nerds who might be out there in our listenership, but also just for anyone who's interested in this idea of the, the Jedi as a model of the dangers of organized religion or of organized establishments of those kinds that can become, um, where the hierarchy takes on more power than it should. And I, I, to me, one of the things that most symbolized this, and I, I, I think, it, it there was a moment where where Luke sort of said that Ray is, is is the last Jedi, and I was like, no I, I I don't want her to be a Jedi. I want her to be something new, but but that I'm hoping they're going in a new direction is um that line that we've talked about already of Rose saying, you know, fight for what you love, part of what I thought about there is that this continual idea that the Jedi were always saying and that that was so hard on Anakin, which is to be the person who fights for good, you can't love anything um and I, I, I think it must have been intentional. I certainly hope it was. But to me, Rose's line of, you know, fight for what you love is such a rejection of that Jedi ideal that got everyone in so much trouble in the first
1: place. I absolutely agree. Um, and I, I am not a religion nerd uh, mm-hmm. at all. But but for me, that was actually one of the things that I most noticed about the movie is they there are a couple... You know, close-ups of those books, and it's the sacred texts, and they've been there for a thousand generations. And Luke can't quite bring himself to destroy those, even though he know he genuinely believes that the Jedi Order has caused all of these problems. And Yoda is like, "No, we don't need them. We really don't." Yeah. Um, and and reinforces that there there was wisdom in them, but that everything Ray needs, she already has because she love she has hope and she cares about people and she wants to redeem them and she's driven by her relationship with finn and her faith that kylo ren can be redeemed and she's she has those connections and those are what drives her as opposed to trying to adhere to a religion because it's what it said in a book a thousand generations ago that you shouldn't have those attachments um and so to me sort of that that rejection of you you don't need to follow what's in a book just because the book is old and had some good ideas you need to look at the world as it is now and do what's good in the world as it is now to me also felt like a rejection of certain kinds of organized religion um in a way that was surprisingly powerful because again i'm not at all religious Mm
2: -hmm. yeah i i also agree matthew that that's uh, a big point that the movie was attempting to get at and and i and I felt like it was done pretty well. There is that moment that cheapens, I feel. the So the, the moment when Yoda was like, nope, light it up. This was bad. We need to start over. We need something else. uh, was so powerful to me because Yoda was, was presented to us throughout all of these movies as, you know, this guy really gets – he's a true believer. He's you know, very, very wise. Um, To see him reject uh, the teachings of the Jedi Order or say this is not what we need anymore – uh, was so potent, and then it was cheapened because we saw some of the texts on the Falcon, and so now Yoda 's line of she already has what she needs takes on a completely different meaning and and really, when I saw that 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 turned my stomach a little bit, I was like we were again, we were so close, and yet we're still going to get this we 're still going to say that oh no 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 we're she's still going to be a jedi and i'm hoping that doesn't happen to answer your question from earlier matthew is i'm, I'm hopeful that neither uh kylo ren slash ben nor ray uh continue on with these ancient traditions that are clearly damaging each in different ways clearly the cause of problems that they recognize they need something new
0: Why well, i've had a real evolution about that moment because i started where you do but, but becky i want to start by giving you a chance what, what was your take on on the saving of the books
1: I hadn't noticed it, so I do not have
0: a take on it. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. I Because I, 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 Jacob, had at first the exact same response you did. But what I've come to is it's, it's I think, burn the books, ignore them all. In some ways, that's Kylo's response. That's the burn the past, ignore all of it. Um, whereas I think what Ray is doing there is saying, I'm going to reject the Jedi. I'm going to reject all of these institutions. I'm going to reject the idea that these books are sacred text that I must listen to and obey. But that doesn't mean the books might still have some good ideas. You know, I think I kind of like Becky, what you were saying about Ray looking at the dark side and going, Oh, this is interesting, but not really my bag. I, I feel like there's something really interesting about her being able to say the Jedi had some good points and maybe even the Sith had a decent point or two. And I'm going to find my own way with this and, and, and go my own direction not feeling like I have to follow rigidly the teachings of the past, but also not feeling like I have to run away from them.
2: I think that's a really good read on the situation, especially since, as as Becky's pointed out, Rey is probably the wisest uh, of the Jedi pupils, at least if not of the Jedi masters that we've seen in how she approaches all of these different situations. She has this compulsion to understand what's going on and and how these other people are thinking and what these other forces are about. But is also seems to be just uh, admirably incorruptible by them. Uh, Just like she's curious and which is a great thing. And she embraces that curiosity. uh, But she doesn't allow any particular event to rule her. Um, Just incredibly admirable character. And as you were saying that, I thought, of course, yes, that has to be where they're going with it. And I hope that is where they're going with it uh, because that fits into the narrative so well of, it, for the same reason that she, she went, Oh, let me see what this whole dark side thing is about. Let me fall down this hole and, and see what's down here. And I guess in part of that was because she wanted to learn about her background, learn where she came from. Um, and ultimately finds out it doesn't matter. And honestly, her general acceptance of that again is just, Gosh, she's just so wise. Very impressed with the character of Ray. If you can't tell, yeah.
1: I think I, I think I had um, two two points um, listening to that, and one one is that Yoda literally says like there were good ideas in these books, but that's about it. Yeah, I, I think the line because I loved it was. Um, Wisdom they had, page-turners they were not, um, which, which is such a good line. Which, so, and, so I
0: just, and, uh, just, I'm sorry, a very quick interruption, but just that that line has been quoted by so many of my theologian friends about the Bible as we're talking <laughs> about, like, what does it mean to be modern Christians and to acknowledge, like, we can still find a lot of meaning in this book, but – page turner it is not sorry but go ahead becky
1: no ex- well exactly and i think that's also part of why the line is so powerful because i think that explicitly says like look at something like the bible these are sacred texts that we're now going to do not, not necessarily entirely ignore or entirely burn down we'll save the good ideas but we don't need to adhere to them like to, to the parts that are outdated um, and then the other thing that I was going to say was um, raid Like she did have one thing in her past that was driving her, which was not knowing who her parents were, and she confronts it. She finds out. As, as if we assume that Kylo Ren was telling the truth, um, she confronts it, and it's really hard. And then she moves on, and that 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 she can confront what she is most upset about, which is not a failure in her case, because she didn't do anything to her parents, they just abandoned her, but that she can confront what's really upsetting about her past and still say, okay, but that doesn't mean that I get to step aside or just because I am really upset about this, I don't need to, you know, join the dark side. I don't need to let go of my friends and let them be killed by this guy who I maybe have an attachment to now. I can confront this and learn about who I am and understand myself better and move on from it. Uh, which is what none of the other characters were really able to do as well, which was sort of the the difference in how you handle failure. So
0: one thing that's occurring to me as I'm hearing this and, and as we're talking about just how amazing Ray is, especially as a young Jedi, he's
1: so great. Sorry, and, and, and
0: again, I don't know if this is intentional. There may be a lot of times where the writers just sort of stumbled into brilliance. But you know, what is the theme we keep hearing about both Anakin and Luke, and why we don't want to train them yet? They're too old. They are not, you know. The Jedi are so dedicated to this. Take people when they are barely like walking toddlers. You know, we want them to be the youngest possible so that the Jedi can shape them from birth, and that's so much of their idea. Ray is the oldest, the most independent person when she discovers the Force of any of the the Force using characters we've
2: ever seen, and 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 a very strange way. So I'm sorry.
1: So, yeah, we're, we both were like, ooh, things to say. But yes, if you yes, want yes. to look at the go on, go on. Uh, in this trilogy, the character who is taken almost at birth and raised with a certain set yep. of beliefs is Finn. And it's what happens when he's essentially brainwashed by the First Order and raised as a stormtrooper. Oh. And
0: that's not good. I, and it's funny, I, I said yup, because I thought you were going to say Kylo Ren. But you're right, uh, Finn is also just, just as interesting a one there.
2: Um, yeah, I was going to say that... Uh by shape you had a very interesting way of saying the word indoctrinate yeah (laughs) uh which yeah is exactly to becky's point that's what happened with finn and finn would get really messed up and somehow like in a lot of ways his character the most heroic thing about his character was he got out of that mess yeah um and he still managed to like get out with his his humanity and his compassion intact and like is trying to make a difference um Whereas, so obviously, so many of those first order soldiers are, well, just buying into it—hook, line, and sinker.
0: I think it's definitely true. Um, is there anything else we want to say about Luke or Ray? Um, we are, there's one or two more big topics I want to make sure we cover, but I want to see if there's anything else on those on those we wanted to hit.
1: I, I think those were all my big points.
2: I could talk for a very long time <laughs> about Ray in particular, but we we should probably move on.
0: Well, let's let's go a little bit more meta, which is, um, you know, one of the large sources of discussion around this movie has been uh, the criticisms of it. And um, I, I think we have now seen that the, the movie was not as critically um, res- that, that, that the original story that the fans all hate it is actually been somewhat overblown in large part because it seems there was this conspiracy of, um, you know, gamer Geek st- Gamergate style fanboys to drive down the ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, they've now targeted Black Panther as their next target, saying that it has nothing to do with race. It's just their issues with Marvel um, that you – know, I, I, you can't see on a podcast how much my R's are rolling as I say that. Um,
2: but I heard it. I mean, there you go.
0: But even so, clearly there's been um, you know, a, a lot of folks who were not happy with this movie, especially with the direction of Luke and, and the idea of Poe you know, being the failure. Um, what What was your guys' take on on um, that that sort of backlash and, and what what's that what that's saying about kind of the fandom around Star Wars?
1: I mean I, I think it says that when people are attached to a hero, they really do not want to see that hero fail.
0: Yeah
2: And that's understandable, right yeah. it's, it's not even necessarily something that we should admonish. Uh, perhaps the way in which you react uh, should be tempered some. And uh, Maybe you don't go attacking other characters <laughs> because of it that were also perfectly reasonable. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs>
1: well, I I think, I, think, I think it's not just like, oh, we don't want to see our heroes fail. But I think it's when you have a and I mean, you talked about this a bit in, on your episode about real life heroes. But like when you have someone on a pedestal, the amount that it hurts when they do something you don't agree with or that you think is wrong it, it feels not just like this person has failed, but like a part of you has maybe failed because yeah. you believed in them and and thought that they were better than that. And that's sort of the danger of putting people on pedestals. But I, I do think that that some of the hurt reactions to Luke were people who felt like, you know, obviously he's a fictional character, but who who felt that sense of like, Oh, I loved this character, and I really didn't want to see him do any wrong. I don't want to deal with the fact that he could do something wrong because if the great, legendary, heroic Luke Skywalker can mess up that badly, like what does that say about me? Because I always, you know, believed right. in
0: him. I and I always believed that 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 one good guy with a lightsaber and one good guy with a gun can can take care of things. Um, and and it, it's um for me, it almost reminds me a little bit of the the recent remake of Ghostbusters. In that how both movies wound up being fairly meta and fairly, like, crit- critiquing the critiques that the movie winds up having. In that, you know, you have all of these fanboys who are so upset about Luke not being the hero that they want him to be. An essential part of Luke's story is him wrestling with all of these people wanting him to be the hero that he can't be. Um, and, and, and to me, I don't know if that's brilliance on the movie making or just the fact that a lot of people utterly missed the point of the movie. But but I thought to me the movie winds up being such a great critique of the, the the parts of fandom that are causing the backlash.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm willing to take the leap of giving the writers the credit for that particular point or not. It's it is internally consistent with with Luke's character. In those moments and to build the, the narrative that they're building, regardless of whether it was intentional that, hey, we people are going to react this way. Let's try to preempt it a little bit. Um, I do find it interesting that because Luke himself is disappointed in what has happened, but he acknowledges that you know part of it was this this problem where there was this expectation that yeah, no one really could meet. That's, that's not a real person um, and that that a lot of people got upset because that that heroic figure got got taken down a notch or two i actually think it is is more interesting and more believable that uh even luke had this humongous success in turning darth vader back just before at the end turning darth vader back uh one of the biggest moments so far in star wars canon and to think that well from that point forward He's never going to make another mistake. He's never going to do anything wrong. There's no, never going to be any any tragedy that comes from his actions personally. It's just woefully naive. Uh, and, and honestly, I think that if that's how you reacted, I, I, I'm I sorry that, that you felt betrayed by that particular point in the movie. But it wasn't really that surprising to me. Uh, I felt it just made a better story
1: I, I agree. I actually do. My read on it was, I think, similar to Matthew's and that it, it felt like it was the, to me, it felt like it was sort of meta commentary as well as being a really well thought out storyline that was in keeping with Luke. Um, but yeah, and, and I think that when we talk about reaction, I, I think that there should be sort of a line drawn between people who were disappointed or would have liked the story to go in a different direction or whatever, who sort of. Who handled it the way I handled the Ray is not a Skywalker reveal, which is to say, I'm disappointed. I wanted what I wanted to happen, and it didn't, and that's a bummer, but I still, you know, the movie was really good. And the difference between that and people throwing a temper tantrum.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: Because there's a difference between critiquing a movie or acknowledging that you had a lot of emotion caught in it and that, you know, you're let down by it. And being entitled and demanding that the movie makers should only do what you want them to and trying to sign a petition to get it canceled out of the canon and right and especially like I I was offline during the worst of it because I didn't see the movie for a few days after it came out and I didn't want to be spoiled Mm -hmm. so I missed most of the worst of it which I'm very glad about (laughs) um So I don't, I wasn't there to observe whether it was as directly racist and misogynist as the backlash to The Force Awakens, Mm -hmm. but I suspect that those things were also tied up in it of, how dare you take this away from me and ruin my hero and make the heroes other people? Um, Which, again, is not just entitled, but is horrible.
2: There There was definitely some misogyny going on in the reaction. It's... Unfortunate and a problem with our culture. Topic for a different time, perhaps. But
0: yeah, well, well but I, I think it's worth commenting on. I mean, because like, certainly we've talked a lot about Luke. I mean, one of the other major points of backlash was the um, uh, was the was the Poe storyline, especially with I, I, I keep it, it's Hodor because it's not Holdo. Hodor. Hodor. Click hold. Thank you. Holdo. Holdo. I am so terrible with names all the time. Um, uh, but, uh, um, uh, Jacobs had to remind me of numerous names of characters as we go. Um, but, but I think her storyline with Poe is one that, that, that hit a lot of, um, and again, there, it's the sort of like people just not wanting to see the point because it's the, you know, folks saying like, no, no, the male, why does the male have to get yelled at by the woman? Like, can't she just let him go and do his thing? But, but I also think Becky, what you're talking about that it, 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 it wasn't just coming from that direction. I mean, a, a huge part of the backlash I saw was the people who were really invested in the Finn post, in the Finn post slash, you know? Um, and they were coming from a perspective of wanting wanting the movie to have been queerer, um, which I can I can very much understand in that regard. But I also think plays into the point you're making of there's a real difference between you know not liking an element of a story versus spending a couple of years speculating on a possibility in a story and then being upset that that speculation doesn't happen.
2: Right, and there, there, we have a lot of that with with different expected romances that people were were eager about in the last jet or in uh from the force awakens in the last jedi uh in particular uh, i'm very happy that it looks like where we're going is that uh finn and poe are really good friends and ray and finn are really good friends because we really need to normalize that that this is a thing this can happen and we should be happy about it rather than there has to be like there are two attractive people on screen that interact in a positive manner. There has to be sexual tension and they have to secretly want each other. I would love to get away from that.
0: Well, I mean, I, I would have I, I would have been perfectly happy if they had decided that those two would fall for each other. And I would really like to see an LGBT character somewhere in the Star Wars universe. I oh, mean, I think absolutely. that's a lack. Absolutely. But uh, anyway, we're going back and forth. Becky, what, 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 what's kind of your take there?
1: Um. Yeah, no, I, I thought this movie... So one of the things that I, I don't want to say I that bummed me out because it didn't. Like I said, I liked um, Rose and Finn a lot. And if they get together, I will be really happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt to me like that again, from a storytelling perspective, but that was a way that they could be like, okay, so Finn will have a happy ending with her, so Ray, he and Ray are not going to get together, which was really walking back some, like, their their flirting and some of the relationship from The Force Awakens, yep. which to me seemed kind of like it was clearing the way to make some sort of romance-type thing part of the redemption of Kylo Ren, which...
2: Oh my god, I hope not.
1: Right, right? Like, that's the thing, is, right. I also really hope not. I super don't want that. I think... I'm less horrified by it now than I was after The Force Awakens because they did actually build up a relationship between those two characters. So yeah. at least now have seen them interact and their interactions were actually really interesting. But ugh, not for me. Well, yeah, yeah. So
2: if there's anybody who...
1: So the other thing that I want to say that I, I wonder about is sort of how race plays into that. Um, yep. And I don't feel qualified to speak on that at all definitively. But it, it did occur to me that that was... Three, stop stopping an interracial couple uh, so that the potentially the two white characters who who have been introduced would end up together and introducing another non-white character for the non-white guy to end up with. And I like I said, I'm, I don't know enough to, to really do much analysis on that. Um, but it did certainly occur to me that breaking up a couple, that was interracial so that a couple of white people could get together is maybe not the best.
0: Yeah, I, I, I definitely, that is a good, like, like you, I'm not going to try and claim to, to, to really know the ins and outs of, of, of that issue. Um, but I, I do know that's one that I read some very good analysis on, um, especially going into this movie. There was a lot of concern of like that, that, that in some ways having Finn even be able to have some kind of romantic feelings towards Ray in the first movie was so groundbreaking. And there was a fear of them walking, walking back from it. Um, and in Please, ter- please
1: share that ahead. link. I would really like to read it.
0: Yeah, I, I'll see if I can dig up again. Um, and I think the, the, the show notes for this are going to be very long. <laughs> but, but also. <laughs> well,
1: the going to be pretty long. Yeah, so. this is
0: also true, but shh, we're not looking at the clock. Um, but the, um, the, the, but also just on the Ray fit, the Ray Kylo thing, I, I, again, you know, because of how much in the prequels, this, this central idea of Anakin's failing, was this idea that he's a Jedi and thus cannot be in love. On the one hand, I would love the idea of Rey finding that she can fully love someone and have a romance as a Force user, and then that's totally okay. And that is such a great rejection of the Jedi ideals. But I just wish they, it was not with Kylo. <laughs> like, um, yeah. And I'm so, I'm so torn there because I, I do think there's such power in – you can be a Force user who has – intimate love for friends and for lovers, and that's okay. But, oh, that story is so creepy.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, eh. and that's the thing is you can't really remove the gender dyma- dynamic from it either because it's very different to have Luke redeem his father than it is to have Kylo Ren be redeemed by the love of a good woman.
0: Yeah, that's a trope we've seen a couple times before.
1: Yeah, and so, and so even though, again, I'm not as horrified by the relationship as I would have been after The Force Awakens, I'm not into it, and I don't want it. Mm-hmm.
2: If there's anybody who needs to have this sort of uh, chaste, meditative uh, process, learning uh, mantra applied to them, it's Kylo Ren. Yeah. Uh, ben is far too damaged to be yeah, – we, we can't have that story. They can't be making this a story where Ray's is going to come along and fix him that just leaves a terrible taste in my mouth <laughs> please please i oh, can't have that story yeah i mean uh, if it, it, it if, it's if go ahead if ray gets together with poe perhaps like that could be a thing that could be interesting uh, they have an enti- they have like one whole movie to set that up um but like in that cuz like i'm not opposed to to the character of ray being in a romance and i think you're right matthew that one of the things that would be a great rejection of is being like, look, the Jedi were clearly wrong that, like, rejecting worldly attachments is not the way to to create somebody who's going to be a, a benefit to the world. It just creates problems. Um, but I do think that, uh, Becky, I, I, I know I'm just, like, very loudly agreeing with you, but, like, I I cannot emphasize so much how much I don't want yeah. Kylo and, and Ray to be a thing because that just... There's too many bad messages to send to say nothing of the fact that those characters should just be wildly romantically incompatible.
0: I, I mean, this will be the fifth or sixth time in this podcast that I have mourned the passing of Carrie Fisher. And, and I want to be very clear. Carrie Fisher was an amazing person far beyond what she was as an actress in these movies and an amazing activist. And I, I don't for a minute want to say, like, I'm sad that an actual living, breathing woman has passed away because she can't be a character in movies I love. But – um Beyond all that, it, it it is one more part where I think the I, I wonder what could have been movie waking because I think if there is any force using person who could be part of the redemption of of Kylo, I'd much rather see it be Leia. Like I would much rather see what what that kind of a connection could develop as, um, you know, instead of it being uh, him and him and Ray. Um, but obviously that's not the story we're going to get. Uh, wh- whether it was ever the story they were intending
1: agree the uh, other, oh the one other point actually about fan reaction speaking of Leia is that any fanboys who were unhappy that she suddenly and unexpectedly could use the force uh, I'm gonna say can die mad about it
2: yeah <laughs> it, was, it was neither sudden nor unexpected yeah
1: no it's, it it's was... only sudden and unexpected if you dismiss literally every contribution she's ever made to the story right but unfortunately I think that a lot of dudes do that when they see a, a beautiful woman on screen they kind of forget that she's actually doing things um or, or so is also my my reaction after um like watching a lot of avengers stuff in mcu and the reaction there and that's a whole other podcast yeah. but but i think female characters contributions get downplayed and then people are like what how did she do that well she's been doing it all along
0: well and, and i have two things that say there one is that uh, and again i i um i know you know, I, Start. Disney has, has officially erased most of the extended universe that existed in the books uh, and so it's not canon anymore and I haven't read tons of them but one thing I had read in a couple of those books is that there were a couple of different uh, authors who explored the idea that Leia knows she is force, posit- uh, force uh, sensitive and sensitive. She, she could develop herself into a Jedi but that part of her thing is she recognizes like I don't want to deal with that temptation everyone I know who tries to be a Jedi screws up their life and hurts other people and that, so it's not by any means her saying, like, that she doesn't want to be a Jedi because she doesn't think she has that power. Is in some ways her being the most responsible of all of them, of saying, like, I have to be knee deep in the messiness of politics of the New Galactic Republic. I don't want to deal with all this Jedi bullshit. Uh, cause everyone who does, fucks it up. Um, and, and so I think that's such a powerful thing. Um, and, and the other thing I wanted to say on, on that idea of, the quibbling, is one thing that the movie really highlighted for me is that that for me at least, and I, I, I have trouble understanding why people can't do this, when a movie has some really powerful themes, I'm willing to forgive plot holes. Like I, I think her being force sensitive is completely something that's been set up all the time. But I'll admit when I saw that scene, I rolled my eyes just a little bit because I was also like, but she's also been in the vacuum of space and we've never thought that even the best Force user could deal with that. And there was a part of me that, honestly, as much as I love this movie, I do kind of think the idea of a spaceship being just a little bit faster than another spaceship and thus we get 20 hours of chase scene because of that, that felt like kind of lazy writing a bad plot point. But, But to me... I'm able to look at that and go, OK, sure, but that's a plot point that they're using to set up this much more – much deeper point in favor of this great story. So yeah, of course I can roll my eyes a little bit and forgive that. And and what I don't understand is the people who would say, well, I, I can't, I can't even look at any of the greater themes because the ship being able to sort of outrun a Star Destroyer but not really just doesn't make any sense.
2: I actually think it does make sense, but it involves a different take on on uh, the physics of the situation. Okay. I will not get into because <laughs> there's no relevance whatsoever. Uh, but there's there needless to say that uh, they've already established in Star Wars that there's a difference between the drive that ships use in normal space travel and light speed drives. And saying that, well, okay, you should just be able to close a very short gap in distance because you're capable of light speed is incorrect because that's probably incalculable. So we anyway, are going but, into physics. I'm sorry. That's the five-minute version. And there's a much larger version I... that I will not bore our <laughs> listeners
1: with. Well, I think for for me, Matthew, that I think the parallel is when... Finn and Rose figure out about the tracking and the way they describe it, it's like, oh, you are describing a very specific plot point that is a contrivance that has 100% been set up so that you can have this particular storyline.
0: Exactly. Okay. Like... And, like... I, oh, go ahead.
1: It was, like, just, again, it's one of those things where, like, as a storyteller, I can see the gears turn and it doesn't feel like, you know, washing over me and, like, I'm absorbed in it. It feels like, oh, I see what you're doing with that plot point. But... I'm. I'm not mad about it because yeah. the story was really good.
0: And that's my point. Is it's like, yeah, sure. I thought that they didn't contrive as well as they could have contrived. But of all of the flaws that a movie could have, that you know, I've also seen movies that are you know perfectly contrived but don't make a very good point with it. And I will take this over that any day of the week.
2: For sure, and I think it's it's a good thing to, to realize. And I, I'm. I am not a writer myself, Becky, but I, I do uh, oftentimes comment about, like, seeing what I think the writers are doing and where I think, where I think the story is going. Um, and I, I agree with you on the, like, when you can – a lot of the times when you see uh, that there's this particular contrivance meant to, to drive the story forward, it can detract from that experience. Um, but in this case, like, I agree with you. I it, it didn't feel like it did at all. Um, I also feel like in some cases the contrivance is overblown because of stupid Gamergate nerds, and I'm not going to get into it, but yeah. <laughs> like – because the arguments themselves were fundamentally flawed in that we weren't actually being presented with the argument they wanted to give. But yeah.
0: To, to me, when a person says I have nothing wrong with, an, with a female authority figure, I just think that the Admiral's plans were all bullshit to me that sounds like the person saying I have nothing wrong with Black Panther being about uh, a a black nation I just have issues with Marvel in general it's like I, 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 I just can't believe Very it, you Very know? transparent. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I, I want to be, because I certainly criticized the whole plot line a little bit. And I, again, I, I think not to be like, I'm drawing a line and I'm on the right side of it. But I think there is a difference between saying, here's what does and doesn't work as a plot and saying, well, I was totally fine with the character, but here's a completely unrelated, I didn't like her hat. Right. So, <laughs> like, yeah. And, and there's like a different s- actual critique and critique that is, thinly veiled entitlement because you didn't get what you want or because of Gamergate deliriableness.
0: Right. And, and that's again where I think it's important to acknowledge that there has been critique that's coming from a lot of different directions. Like to me, while I disagree with the folks who were like, we want the the um the um the Finn Poe ship or the the Finn Ray ship, I think Lumping those folks in with with the Gamergate is one hundred percent inaccurate. You know, I think that people have, from all different perspectives on the political screen have been have been uh, having some some critiques of this movie, and and there's a lot that you know the the the, the slash ones I take a lot more seriously. Um, even if I, if and I do uh, at the end, uh, um, not see it the same way. Um, let's let's kind of transition into the last topic of what are we hoping for for the next movie? What in terms of things that this is set up and and what where where are we wanting to go and i want to actually start with um kind of a specific question that we we, we tiptoed around but didn't actually address uh, directly or at least uh Jacob i think you answered but i'm not sure if Becky and i went into it um do you want to see ray be a jedi in the last movie what what do you want to see ray become in in the last movie
1: i well I, I mean i guess it depends on if by jedi you mean person who is capable of using the force and does so because yes if yeah. by Jedi you mean strict adherent to the Jedi religion then no um but yeah I want to see Ray come into her potential I want to see her kick Kylo Ren's ass and maybe redeem him and maybe he dies and I don't really care how that plays out and then <laughs> I want her to be happy and get a pony and a rainbow um and and be the best one um that's basically like at the end of the day i want the characters to be happy and have a hopeful ending um i do not want as i've said ray and kylo ren to end up together i think variations on literally any other characters are fine but kylo ren should go sit in a corner and feel bad
0: that yeah, that seems legit like
2: i would really love for there to be a scene where where ben uh, re- now rejecting the title of Kylo Ren and, and coming full circle, uh, expresses some some interest in Rey, and Rey rejects him, and for Ben to go, yeah, that's fair. I'm just, <laughs> I want like that's that's in my like you know fan fiction canon. I don't think that's actually going to happen in a movie because that would just be fan service for me personally. <laughs> ben, but, I'd be into it. Yeah, I mean it's a great scene.
0: I, I I have to say in a lot of ways, I one of the things that I liked about the connection between uh, Ray and Kylo in this movie is it didn't feel very romantic to me. It felt like two very lonely people looking for connection. And I think in Hollywood terms, when you have two attractive people, especially of different genders, looking for connection, that almost always has to translate into romance. But in some way, if this, if this becomes about a friendship and about a you and I understand each other in a way that no one else does – Without them adding a romantic connection to it, I think that could be great. Um, but I definitely don't want the romantic aspect of it. Um, what do you, I know I, I keep alluding to what could have been, but, but I, I'm wondering what you think. What happens with Leia in this last movie? Cause she ends alive. And they have said, I think very happily, cause I, I, I it was, I thought creepy with Admiral Tarkin in, in Rogue One. They very clearly said they're not going to try and do any uncally valley stuff. Like Carrie Fisher is, is not going to be a part of the, the next movie in any way. What 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 cuz i i do also think Leia's character has been so central to this entire story and and when we we leave off she is in charge of everything what what could you imagine them doing with her character
1: I honestly don't know because i think losing Leia within this universe feels like such a tragedy and it seems like something where you could do it really well if you had a story about it but without having carrie fisher you can't really have that story i think she deserves better than an off-screen death um, but i'm not sure how you have her not be there if she's alive and so i'm honestly it's it's one of the things which i would say like i said when you're at the beginning when you're really emotionally invested it it can be really anxiety causing yeah. um and that's one of the things that i am the most anxious about for the next movie
2: what if she shows up as a force ghost would that be would that be too much? They no, would, that would like be they basic, would have to... But I
1: don't think that they would if they're not gonna bring in Robo Carrie Fisher. I do kind of expect Luke to show up as a Force Ghost. By the way, yeah,
2: oh, I think sure. absolutely. Yeah, think... that that's that's a lock. I think.
0: Um, I, I I think it's been confirmed, but I think you're right. I think, um, and it's gonna be. I think I think. This, the last one might be one of those movies where I have to see a couple of times because there are sometimes there are movies where I watch them the first time and all I can feel is the disappointment that it's not the movie I want it to be, and then the second time I can watch it and actually really love it. Um, and one of my one of the best examples for this is is actually was the new Mad Max movie because um, I think it is one of the best post apocalyptic movies I've ever seen. It is. I loved the original Mad Max movie, and it is not very much in the theme of, of of those movies. And so the first time I saw it, I was disappointed because it wasn't the movie I wanted it to be. It was actually, I think, a much better movie and an amazing movie. Um, But I, I needed to see it that second time. And I, I almost – I think it's going to be hard for me the first time I see this next movie to not be constantly thinking, oh, what if Princess Leia was in this scene? What if Leia was in this scene? Um and I, I think like you're right, Becky. I'm going to have that anxiety, and then I think at this point I trust them enough, the writers enough, to say I think they'll make a good decision with it. It'll be hard the first time to see it, and then after that I'll be able to accept it, and then just take in the movie for all that it is.
2: And speaking of uh, this is so, in speaking of other hopes for the next movie, I kind of hope that we see a a, a more evolved—the wrong word—because he's not like changing as an organism. Uh, but, but, uh, a, a, a more realized version of Poe where he's, he's able to, Poe Damler' is able to take his experiences from the last Jedi, learn from them and grow into the, the kind of leader that the, uh, resistance needs him to be. Um, and that, that, uh, Leia was trying to help mold him into, I would love to see that happen. And I would love to see him acknowledge that, like, that, uh, that, that growth needed to happen within himself that would be kind of cool to do
1: I think that would be lovely and I think that that's something which they could very easily do since they don't have Leia there as a character that does sort of narratively mean somebody would need to step up as a leader and I think that that opens up a lot of possibilities for Poe who you know was sort of her protege and was learning a lot from her and had so much respect for her to mature into somebody she would have been really proud of
2: yeah. Right, and for him to, uh, to acknowledge that. And then maybe if they're going to be giving Leia an off-screen death, uh, maybe we can see some of the drama that, that – some fraction of the drama that moment should have in Dameron's reactions. And that might be a way that they sell it to us.
0: Well, and, and one other thing that I'm, I'm curious what you guys think of – and again, maybe here we're, we're engaging <laughs> in the, um, the very thing we were being critical of before of the speculation of the movie we want to see instead of so the movie we'll get – but so we now have established that a cycle occurs, which is a republic is built and eventually it starts to become, um, either corrupted or just overly bureaucratic or for whatever reason it starts to decay and then the empire takes over. And then they attempt to rebuild the republic and it has some of the same problems and some different ones and the first order takes over. How can this movie end? I mean, clearly I think we're going to see the defeat of the first, Repu- uh, of the first order. I don't imagine how the movie could be anything else at the end. But what what could you imagine them establishing in such a way that breaks that cycle? Or or is there a way to break that cycle?
1: That is a good question. Um, I am fascinated by the way that they've presented it as a cycle because we're currently experiencing a, a, a horrifying rise of fascism that you'd think we would have stomped out a few generations ago, but apparently did not. And now here it is again. Um, which does not put me in a hopeful frame of mind for saying, yeah, so they can just defeat it and it'll all be fine. But I think some of that same growth beyond the Jedi of saying there were good ideas here, but we but we can't fully adhere to everything that this Jedi religion taught us, I think that that can also be parallel, paralleled with um, the Republic by s- sort of having a sense of, we're building on what came before, we're trying to strengthen it, we're trying to avoid the pitfalls that let something like the First Order come to power, and that's sort of the best we can do. And then you can't control what happens a few generations later. All you can do is 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 do your best and be vigilant in the time you are now. Yeah.
2: What's your take, Jacob? So, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. So I think that it would be really irresponsible of the writers to have the, the first order just go away forever, um, as the, the outcome of this next movie. And that that might sound weird, but, um, what I'm trying to get at there is that I think that it would, it would be more realistic for the, uh, for the resistance, you know, they, they get a big victory. Um, but for the first order to still be extant as a threat. So like, you know, the small victories and the fight goes on. Kind of, kind of an ending to this particular trilogy, uh, both because they want to make more movies and make more money and have a, an even bigger franchise, uh, but also because it's again, it's a more realistic story. It more mirrors reality, mirrors life, and the only way you, I feel, you break a cycle like that is by actually changing the, the, uh, hearts and minds as it were of the people within that structure. And there's no way they can do that in one movie.
0: Yeah. I mean, certainly. And I, I think, and this really goes back to your point about how the, this cycle is happening in real life. To me, one of the most important things of that cycle is the complacency, you know, is the idea of, and and especially I think that, that the Jedi being such a part of it of, you know, we are the guardians of goodness in the galaxy. We will take care of everything that that's the complacency that – and this is one of the few things I thought the prequels did get right was their idea that, that the Jedi were so sure of themselves that they missed the fact that the, the galactic chancellor, the person literally taking over under their noses, was the very thing they were supposed to be dedicated to fighting and they just didn't see it. Um, and so maybe that that kind of um, – to, 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 to make it about Matt I. Moody, constant vigilance um, you know, has to be the new order of the whatever new republic is built. Um, we've gone on for quite a while. I think it's been a fantastic conversation. Um, what what are kind of any last thoughts that we didn't get to cover from from either of you? I know I have one that I want to mention, but what from you guys?
1: Uh, I love all those red lilac hair.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that was really awesome. <clears throat> So I wanted to uh, – speaking of Holto, uh, I wanted to – just because we didn't actually go, go much into it, I didn't want to talk about the some of the criticisms of her character because, uh, Becky, you were critical of, of – and I feel correctly so uh, – of some of the decisions her character made. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think we should, uh, we should make it a point to be very clear that – uh, we don't think that the, the character was poor. The story that, that, uh, the, that uh, Holdo served a role in was poor as a result um, because that was one of the, the criticisms that, that was coming around was that well, what a terrible character, what a terrible person, uh, clearly didn't have the rebellion's best interest at heart. And then why did the, why did the writers of this movie feel the need to validate her decisions when they were clearly wrong. I actually felt that many of her decisions, particularly though the ones withholding information, the ones that were most controversial, uh, were correct and in a lot of ways justified by the narrative, even though it was tragic and unfortunate because it drove the very actions that undermined their own plan. So I, I think it was just a, a confluence of tragedy rather than being something that is just you know entirely the fault of that that blasted purple haired admiral admiral and her dumb ideas
1: I, I do agree with that um i like like i said at the very beginning i didn't think that all of her decisions were justified by the narrative but i still thought she was a complex interesting character and the reason the narrative validated what she was doing and gave her that really awesome heroic moment and Literally said she cares more about being a hero than looking like a hero yeah. was because she was right. And I think that people who want to continue to argue that she was wrong are maybe not, again, arguing in good faith entirely.
2: Mm-hmm. Or or, and just because I don't want to completely invalidate uh, alternate opinions from from our own, um, it is entirely possible that they're just that they didn't that they missed it that they, they didn't see it or that there's something that, that. Is, is conflicting with them that they don't realize that there's another criticism that they have that's not the one that they're voicing and it's not the one they realize that they have. Uh, and so they're voicing this other one because they maybe re- have read it or other people have said it. And so it, it that's what's been solidified in their head. Um, I, I, I but mean, yeah, they're the ones who are true believers in that idea, yeah. I think, uh, need to pay attention.
0: And Jacob, I hear what you're saying. and I think it's not that, that 100% of, of the critique of hers is all based in sexism. But I do think that it's important to acknowledge that for a lot of the people who, as you're saying, might be just having trouble seeing it, that, that sexism and misogyny that they're not acknowledging themselves is probably a big part of what's, what's making it harder for them to see. Like, I think that that's I, – I, di- I think you can say that there's a gradient between the folks who are just like, oh my god, strong man got critiqued by a woman with lilac hair. We can never have that. And the people for whom it's a lot more subtle – but I do think that it's still there, even when it's subtle, and that I think that it's uh, again that I think that that the movie being meta is that she specifically says, you know, Poe, like you know, is part of why you're you're questioning me because you know, um, it, would Poe have questioned Admiral Akbar quite as much? I think it, it becomes a really important question, um, and I think that's part of how we view uh, the, the folks who are having such trouble with her.
2: Based on the story that we got, I think Poe absolutely would have questioned Admiral Akbar just as much, but I mean. We can't say because yeah. that's not the story we we're given.
0: I, I, I think I, mean, I, I would just say kind of my last thought is um, – and I know, Jacob, you haven't. But, Becky, have you seen the Clone Wars TV show?
1: I have not. I really want to. Well,
0: and Same. I, I
1: – I, they're so –
0: the first year is kind of weak and there still are some weak moments. But I, I compare it a lot to Batman the Animated Series in that it, it – you'll never forget that it's a kid's show. But it's a kid's show that has some incredibly adult moments and some, some really wonderful ideas. And there were just two things that this movie paid off that I thought were so wonderful that I just want to give a very quick shout out to. Um, one of which is just as part of this long um, story we've been talking about, the Jedi in love, um, and I won't give spoilers but I will just say that one of the major plot points of one of the seasons is uh, uh, Obi-Wan having clearly romantic feelings for, for, for another character and deciding that he can't do anything with them because of him being a Jedi – but, but the obvious internal conflict and, and there being some moments of, of him sort of soul searching and wondering, are the Jedi right about this? That I just felt were so paid off by this movie. Um, and, and that similarly, and this goes to the moment Becky, you were talking about with Yoda, um, saying, you know, that failure is the greatest teacher. In some of the later seasons of Clone Wars, you see, Yoda starting to recognize the corruption of the Jedi and the corruption of the Republic and his own role in that. Um, and, and it's subtly done, but it is very well done. And it just, to me, made that moment of, like, w- when Yoda is saying failure is a great teacher, he's, to me, having seen Clone Wars, he's not just talking to Luke, he's also talking to himself in a way that just felt like such a great payoff for this overarching story of, you know, how, how these heroes failed.
2: Well now I even more want to see Clone Wars so thanks. It's I guess I have to jump that up another notch in the queue.
0: It's yeah, it's so and, and also because it, it introduces the idea of force users who are neither um uh Jedi or Sith including this badass cult of all women um ba- basically Jedi witches. Um, okay well,
1: now I really want to see it even more
0: yeah
2: so so they have the Benny Gesserit, is what you're telling
1: me
0: yeah it's kind of the Benny Gesserit. and there's a there's a there's a character who's introduced um uh, uh who starts as a sith and winds up rejecting the sith but 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 staying a force user um and oh it's so good um anyway so that's my plug for clone Wars but it's just for especially for any of our listeners who um who are Clone Wars fans as well I wanted to give those shout outs because I thought that's one of the things that The Last Jedi did was it paid off those parts of that story so well. Um, well, guys, this has been uh, a wonderful, a very long podcast. It's entirely <laughs> possible this is going to be a podcast in two parts, depending on how much faith we have in our listeners. Um, but, but I want to just, uh, Becky, you have been a great guest and, and, um, uh, you have so many great thoughts that I have got both gotten to read and gotten to listen to, uh, and I want our podcasters to, to get the same chance because you are now uh, not only a, a, a published author with a couple of books to your name but also beginning to become a podcaster as well. Um, tell us about how we can find more about Becky Allen and, 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 and read and, and enjoy your work.
1: Uh, Sure. So the books uh, are are the biggest thing for me, certainly. Um, The first book is Bound by Blood and Sand. Um, The sequel is Freed by Flame and Storm, which came out uh, just a couple months ago. Um, It's only a duology, so the story is done. Oh, wow. and they it's a young adult fantasy and i hope that people will check them out and really like them um you can find out more about those at beckyallenbooks.com or follow me on twitter at allreb a-l-l-r-e-b uh and the podcast is uh something my sister and i started doing a couple months ago um it's called rachel and becky judge things where, uh, we hear about things from the internet, uh, maybe things that people really love or think are really bad, uh, and we experience them for ourselves and then record a podcast about it. Um, it is mostly us trying to make each other laugh, uh, but we have talked about The Last Jedi, we talked about Star Wars Discovery, um, we also talked about The Christmas Prince, uh and Voltron. Um so we, we sort of run the gamut of random stuff that the internet seems to like. Um and you can see that at Rachel and Becky JudgeThings.com. Yeah, it, it is a great
0: great podcast. I've I really enjoyed it, and I, I thank you especially because I um I know a lot of the questions I wanted to ask you came uh, was basically a way of saying can can I have you restate for our audience the stuff you said <laughs> on, on your own podcast about uh, The Last Jedi. Um and I uh, um so I'm uh definitely check that out. Definitely check out uh, your books. Can they can people buy copies of the books directly through your website?
1: Uh, my website has links to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and IndieBound. Um, you should be able to get them at bookstores. Uh, if they don't have them in stock, you can always ask them to order them. Um, they also should be available from the library. So awesome,
0: awesome. Uh, Jacob, are you starting to say anything? No. Okay.
2: Uh, Other than Becky, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, It was was a great privilege having you on again. Um, I love being able to converse with you on this topic, uh, and I hope we can have you on again, maybe to talk about the next uh, Star Wars movie (laughs) that comes out.
1: I I gotta say, being asked like, hey, do you want to come talk about Star Wars for a while is not not a bad thing uh i really enjoy it as well so thank you for having me
0: well good I, I will say that while i enjoyed your guys podcast episode about it i don't think we're going to be looking for the deep ethical and moral issues of the christmas prince anytime <laughs> soon um which is a, 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 a i think a movie i can say that you guys panned on your podcast but did a very good job of of doing so um but yeah we will definitely love to have you back to talk about uh, I, I loved what you guys had to say about star trek uh although the whole time I, I, total aside, but uh, and to plug one of our own episodes about Orville, um, and I'm sure 8 million people have said this to you already, but the whole time you were talking about Star Trek Discovery and all the things you like about it, but also kind of wishing for more of a Star Trek feel, um, I don't know if you've seen Orville yet, and, and there is some Seth MacFarlane to fight through, um, but it does feel very, very Star Trek in ways I want to just kind of throw your way. Interesting. So, uh,
1: well. I'll follow up after
0: the podcast. <laughs> yep, sounds good. All right, well, well, on bo- I have both of you guys. Thank you so much. This was a, uh, um, you know, if there's anything I want to discuss on this podcast it's Star Wars, and I'm so glad we got to really dive into it, especially because this movie, as I said, got into what is my favorite part of the whole Star Wars story, which is the idea of the Force and and all things like that. Um, we're gonna have a lot of show notes. We're gonna have a lot of great articles. Uh, we didn't even talk about it, but there's an ar- article I read about how understanding the, the slow corruption of the Jedi that led to things in the last, uh, the last Jedi even, even explains midichlorians, uh, which made me so happy and I'll share with you all. Um, but for you guys listening at home or, or the or driving or wherever you're listening, what do you, what do you guys think? What were things you loved about this movie? What were things about the movie you found challenging? Um, what do you think of this idea of failure as a story? And, and what do you want to see, um, with the movie going forward? Do you want to see Ray become a new kind of Jedi or reject the Jedi entirely? um you can find us on both facebook and twitter at superhero ethics uh and we love to keep the conversation going on both of those platforms you can email us with any questions or thoughts at um facebook uh, at superhero ethics at gmail.com um anything you want to say on this or i will also say that our next podcast is going to be on um the uh book series um uh by uh brandon sanderson is that right Jacob? Brandon
2: Sanderson. That Brandon is Sanderson.
0: Correct. Yeah, Brandon Sanderson. Um, we're going to be talking about the book, The Way of Kings, uh, and, and a lot of the topics it brings up, especially about honor and, and the role of honor, uh, in, in fantasy novels and things like that. So if you have questions or ideas you want to throw at us, uh, about that, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter or email us. Uh, on behalf of myself, on behalf of Jacob and Becky, thank you guys all for sticking through and listening to all this. Have a great night. Bye bye.